Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. We hope you enjoyed your rest day. We had a proper one. The riders were doing backflips into pools, getting stung by bees or wasps. Was Benoit, you get stung by a bee or a wasp? Well, he is a bee, so technically he can't be beaten by his own kind. So I'm guessing it was Can a wasp. Can bees sting other bees? Can That's bees... a very good question. Don't okay, bees someone die? let us know. Bees die if they sting something, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, he got stung, so yeah, not, not a great day for him, but he got an extra rest day today because this was the all-important TT that some podcast previewers, so-called experts, said the TT wouldn't make too much of a difference in the preview. I don't know who would say that. In their, uh, <laughs> in their Tour de France preview, but some Idiots. people did. This was all important with the gap from Pogacar to Vingegaard, just a measly 10 seconds, and then the gap between Rodriguez and Yates, a very, very small amount for the podium spot too. The TT was very, very difficult from Passé to Combleu, 22 kilometers. First 2Ks, false flat uphill, then a 1.3K, 8.5% climb. Little Ridge. Two descends, descending sections. T1, six and a half Ks in. Descent. Jeez, I've had too much sparkling water. I'm too G'd up. I've got bad indigestion. Another descent. Then a flat section of about seven kilometers before T2, which is the base of the Domossi full climb. Now, the KOM points, there's, uh, it's a cat two. There are KOM points available. I think it's five, four, three, two, one, Benji, if I'm not wrong. And, or oh, five on offer, the maximum. Chicone would go full gas from the base of that climb to try and get them. Then yeah. there's T3 at the end of that 2.8K, 8.5% climb. That's a, that's a very difficult climb before they still keep climbing up to nearly 1,000 meters at Comblo. There's over 600 meters elevation gain in this course, which is significantly more per kilometer than the Planche de Belfi TT significantly more so in terms of intensity it's maybe more difficult but in terms of length that was 55 minute tt uh but benji maybe before we get into the results we know how we all do it i uh, mentioned some the DS dsm had a shocker when maybe just you <laughs> and a few other people were watching yes certainly so they had some crashes you can't really blame them for crashing all the time maybe it's because of parkour recon maybe it's because they actually just crashed because they slipped or something well they changed the parkour Exactly. They moved the fences in because there was a painted line, so it kind of suggests that was sketch. Yeah, probably. Now, there was one moment with DSM that was kind of funny. Wellsford came to the starting podium and he spoke to the people there because he arrived late and he was directly Sam. pushed through. He had to go. What? Sam, come on. What were you doing? <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were in the comments, probably. What were you doing? Mate, Playing PS5. I swear this <laughs> happened. Was it in the 1980s, 1990s? Uh, uh, somewhere, there was this guy called Delgado. He was fighting for GC. <laughs> you know what that means he... in, in Spanish? Delgado. Oh, actually, I think it... Oh, sorry, despacio means slow. Oh. <laughs> Delgado means thin. So maybe he cut it thin. <laughs> yeah, he cut it very thin because he came late 2 minutes 40 and was fighting for the overall in GC. Some people suggest that actually impacted him losing the Tour de France. Some people would suggest he would have lost anyway. But it just... 
just funny because why does it matter if you arrive late at the starting podium? Your time counts from when you're supposed to start, not when you actually start. That's pretty so, funny. <laughs> I love that rule. I love that rule. I feel like Pogacar and make Vingegaard, the time cut? I, uh, I would suggest so because otherwise we would have heard it by now, I'm pretty sure. The internet would have been pretty... Uh, at one end, they would have been memeing him. On the other end, they would have been sad. Oh, he made it occasion. easily. He beat okay. loads of people. Good on you, Sam. Perfect ride. Anyway, that was it for the uh, for the information out of Parker. Nothing crazy, nothing too big when it comes to memes. There were some bike changes, some teams that yeah. didn't do bike changes, some riders that did bike changes, some riders of a team that didn't. And I don't know, was it weird for you what UAE was doing with early domestiques? Like, Bjerg seems to go slow on the flat sections, but then Ham bit up completely on the on the climbs. I mean, let me have a look. To me, Bjerg didn't go quick at all anywhere. Okay. Um, so he, yeah, he's he's not in the top, he's top 50 in the last section, but he could be go quicker than that if he saved. I was very surprised they didn't get Bjerg to try. Really mm -hmm. surprised because he's their best TT -er apart from Yates and Pogacar. He just won the Dauphiné TT. He can get up a hill, a five, 10 minute hill, no problem. And but, especially fresh, I thought they'd use him early for some data. I think we've noticed a few times when Mikel Bjerg is used on a on a stage heavily that the next day he's awful at the start. He just drops early with the Gruppetto and so forth. And True. maybe that's the reason. Maybe I want them to be there tomorrow and therefore don't want to blow him completely today. So that's the only maybe. reasoning I see. Anyway, we're bearing the lead here. One of the most shocking results probably in cycling since the Planche de Belfi TT in 2020, far more shocking or surprising than the uh, Giro final time trial. Jonas Vingegaard wins the TT, but that wasn't a big surprise. I mean, he was just about co-favorite, slightly behind Pogacar in the odds for this stage. And we thought they'd be neck and neck, maybe the slight edge to Poggy. He wins the TT, but the gap is one minute and 38 seconds to Tadej Pogacar. He goes two kilometers an hour quicker than him across Crazy. the whole course. And then there's another one minute and 13 seconds to Wout van Aert, who finishes 2.51 behind Vingegaard in third. Bill Bowen, excellent TT in fourth on 2.55. Three seconds ahead of Yates on 2.58. Cavagna on 3.06. Adam Yates, I thought actually would be a little bit better. I, I would expect Yates to beat Bill Bowen in this course, frankly, yeah. given the disparity in Watts in the last two weeks or their career. And so he's on 312. <laughs> Skelmoser does do a good TT, but not a top five like I might have thought. 321. Pedersen, outrageous TT in the top 10 on this course, 331. And Gudu, a very nice one on, on 331 too. But the top two, Benji, I got to be honest, when I, listen, up front, you know, people are going to say, oh, you were sandbagging. You thought Jonas would lose 25 to 30 seconds. No, I really believe that. I really believed based on the Dauphiné TT, based yep. on the trajectory of Jumbo Visma's TT results this year, based on UAE's performance, based on this uh, being a lot of climbing, but a 30-minute effort, based on Pogacar's Slovenia performance, based on all of that. I believe Pogacar had a slight edge. Of course, on their day, things can happen, but I thought Pogacar had a slight edge, so I didn't see this coming. And <laughs> Did anyone? It's, yeah, crazy performance, Benji. This is one of the most shocking, if not the most shocking, this is, this is more shocking than Pogacar on Planche de Belfia for me. Like, we, we knew Pogacar could climb and so forth. He also had a very shocking performance there, being able to uh, put such a, a dent into Roglic, but also Roglic, 
I stay my ground. He somewhat underperformed he because underperformed. he didn't climb at the speed of others. Today, I feel like Vingegaard massively overperformed while Pogacar did not underperform. Yeah, on the climb, on the climbing section, Simon Yates had a wonderful time and was one second faster than him. But, but Pogacar's bike changes counted in that. So I think Pogacar's time trial destroyed the rest of the field and there was one man that destroyed him and the field. But then, you know, Pogaccio 138, he finishes ahead of Bilbao by 1 minute and 17. If you take out Alvanart, you take out Vingegaard. If you said, would you expect Pogaccio to finish 117 ahead of Bilbao? I'd say yeah. no, I would expect more. Yeah, more. So I do think... But I also think that Bilbao was one of the top 10 that overperformed. Of course, yeah. And, and, but then I look at Yates and I'm not impressed by that performance. I think he, I've seen better TTs from him too. He didn't change bike. So this is the cue. We'll get into the time splits and all that nerdy stuff in a second. But let's talk tech for a little bit. Not Neither of us are experts. But we saw yesterday that Denk said that Bora Simulation said they would mm -hmm. not change bikes. Now, that's all well and good for Bora Hansgrohe because they have the lightest TT bike on the market. Yeah. And Yumbo didn't practice bike changes. UAE practiced bike changes, but Adam Yates didn't change bike which is curious to see two GC leaders on the same team do two different things on the climb. Pagacha changed bike. Now, I haven't seen the models. I presume the TT bike was quicker for the false flat 4% section uphill. Mm -hmm. I believe Pagacha, he must be more comfortable on the road bike climbing because all the, all the Colnago is really heavy and the, the Cervelo is not as heavy. And so it's a bit of a wash there. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I also feel like the confidence of the rider with the bike change and so forth, being able yeah. to trust that. Pogacar did it at Planche de Belfia. It paid off. Maybe his um. confidence in that is more than, for example, Adam Yates' confidence in, in those bike changes. Maybe it stresses Adam Yates. Maybe it forces him to be more stressed and therefore make mistakes in the run-up towards the bike change. These are all these details that, next to the data, also matter. These are two humans, and maybe one prefers something else than the other, and... Maybe they're more confident that way. So yeah, that's what makes it understandable for me that one rider would opt to take a bike change, one would opt to not take a bike change. But what we didn't see today was helmet changes. Like, Thomas, that, that's off the market now, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> a helmet change. I don't know how hot it was. It's pretty hot in Southern Europe at the moment. Mm -hmm. I don't know how hot it is in the Alps, but it's pretty warm. So, But it's not a long enough climb. And they're still on the 2.8K section, which for reference, the, the quote-unquote climb that where the KOM points is six and a half to oh, six seven minutes for most people for most of the GC guys under seven minutes for Vingegaard so no need to change helmet for that the the Giro climb was you know 20 minutes plus can't remember 25 minutes yeah. I think um I'm still in a little bit of shock because yeah I, <laughs> Jesus dude obviously Vingegaard's performance is crazy good we saw in Rocamador he would have won that TT last year which is actually quite similar and he also didn't go full gas on the section that suited him most just before we get into the splits i i do think yeah poggy i don't know i i would expect poggy to be quicker than simon yates on the last section t2 to t3 you know that's it so i don't think you know you look at his planche de belfi tt he was basically like t1 everywhere almost and so for Simon Yates to beat him in the final section, I don't know. Uh, T2 to T3 is the climbing section, right? T3, T2 finishes the... Oh, sorry. 
So Poggy was slower than Yates on the climb, but, ah, but that's why did Yates change bike? Okay, yeah. so that's completely throw that out of the window. Pagacha was second quickest on the climb, <laughs> and we don't include Chicone because he Chicone was fastest on the climb because he just did a full gas effort yeah. uh, to take that's KM, five KM points. It's oh, that's interesting. It. Bowlers did it as well. Bowlers was not as good as Chicone. I love these things because they give an extra dimension to it. Because if you don't know, the reason we're talking about this is that the fastest rider from the start of the climb till the end of the climb would get the KOM points, which is an intriguing thing that you don't see in road stage. And sometimes in the first DT of a Grand Tour, you see Eric Zabel trying to get the points by going all out on a climb and then not pacing at all in the rest of the time trial. I love that shit. And Chicone secured the points, but he's not secure yet eh? because how close were Vingegaard? They also probably took points. Yeah, four. I don't know how it descends. I did. <laughs> but and also it depends how you know, lows the double points tomorrow is ridiculously overweighted. So yeah, we'll get to that preview in a second. Um, starting with the opening phase of the TT, Benji. First of all, the the first climb you can't tell anything. I test. Yeah, yeah I do like to know. I I try to guess. I test from the My road. Man, the, come on. the exact time gaps on a fifty-five kph section, and you should you be able to if you're a true DGen. You said it, an aficionado of cycling should be yeah. able to tell what's per kilo that a rider is pushing and on the, the climb. And the exact gaps so... of two moving riders who are three minutes apart on the road. You should know <laughs> at all times. Mate, <laughs> when we were on that initial section, we saw the first second spot. I thought it was wrong. I thought it was glitching. And six minutes into Pogacar's time trial, he was 20 seconds ahead on Wout van Aert. And then four minutes and 12 seconds into Vingegaard's time trial, he was also 20 seconds ahead. So I was like, they're relatively close, still two minutes different. So that means that it's about a 10 second difference at that point between the two, I would argue. The way, if you extrapolate the gap they already had yeah, by that yeah. point. Yeah, Jonas is going quicker, but not so much quicker. Exactly. So from that point, also, like, oh, this is going to be relatively close. Vingo start a bit faster. Yeah. Pog is negative up. splitting here, stuff like that. And the entire time trial was like, Jonas started too fast, right? He started too fast, right? And then he kept going. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so Poggy wasn't really looking at his head unit a lot on the climb, the first one, which I thought was quite curious. I was like, I would have expected him to. He wasn't checking it really much at all. Maybe they just look at the average after, you know, every 30 seconds and they weren't showing him as much. But yeah, the, to T1, for reference, which is after one little short descent, six and a half Ks in, Vingegaard was 16 seconds ahead of Tade Pagacha in first position to a T1, and Pagacha was at 10-10 in second. And then third at T1 was Stefan Kuhn. Stefan Kuhn, I'm trying to find a GC guy. So Simon Yates. Pagacha was still 27 seconds quicker than Simon Yates at T1. So he went well to T1, pretty good. And this is where I really thought he was going to take all the time back, Benji, because I maybe underestimated the importance of, and this is not the reason for a 1 minute 40 gap, let's be clear, but the T2, Definitely, Vingegaard seemed a bit more slick in the descent section um, through Dude, the corners. The differences were huge, and not even yeah. only on the descent section. In the initial corner, just after the start, I feel like Pogaccio went really slow through that corner. It is the corner that also had a few crashes at the start, but then Vingegaard went through that, and I was like, oh god, oh god, oh god. So if I have the oh god feeling when someone goes through a corner, it means they're putting everything into it, they're... They're going tread of debt, as you tend to call it sometimes. And we see the, the descent coming later, like you mentioned, and that descent. Vingegaard is a better descender. We've said it numerous times, but the differences is notable. But he also, he also was just going faster because he dared to go faster in the corners. Not just technique, it was also the daring part. And 
I feel like Pogacar was also the kind of rider that dared to go hard in certain places in the past. So, I don't know. The difference was just huge between the two there. And I expected him to gain time there. But I didn't expect the gap gain on the climbs to be as much as it was. And maybe it was more technical, I don't know, than I expected. But I really thought Poggy would take the... The 15 seconds Jonas gained initially, I thought Poggy would take them all back before the base of the last climb, and then we'd, we'd see. We'd see who was stronger. And in fact, it was the other way. Vingegaard went 15 seconds quicker on the 58k, over 55 km an hour section. So he went 9.11. Poggy was sixth fastest. He did 9.26. And you look at Van Aert. That's a weird it, statement. He went 9.11. Jesus. Oh, well, he did, he did <laughs> not, time of 9.11. And... You know, Van Aert was slower than Pedersen, slower than Castroviejo, slower than Asgren, slower than Kung in that T1 to T2 section. So that's why I, wasn't, I was expecting Jonas to go pretty slow there. And then he didn't. the gap by the, by the base of the final climb, Benji, I was like, okay, the gap's now 50 seconds according to Tissot. Luke's telling me it's correct. And we're getting to the... Yeah, to T2 or past T2, the, yeah, the gap is now nearly 50 seconds according to the thing. Even if Jonas blows up, yeah. he would have to have the biggest blow up ever at this point. That was how I was feeling. And then on the bike change, I think that's another 15 or 10 seconds he loses. And then Vingegaard does the climb, uh, the quickest of the GC guys by far. He does the climb 30, can I do maths? 34 seconds quicker than Pagacha. And he does the final six minutes or six and a half minutes, 26 plus 17. He really actually takes a lot of time in the final bit, Benji. In the 30 kph section on the TT bike where he was in the skis, he takes 26 plus 17. He takes 43 seconds in the last six, seven minutes. And then I start wondering throughout the time trial, what is UAE? Yes, saying in the years of Pogacar. That's the kind of stuff I would have loved to know on screen with like the the team radio maybe we'll hear after the race and like the recaps of the tour de france what was said by the uaeds if he was honest towards pogacar about the fact that he was so far behind halfway stuff like that but like you say i also feel like in the last portion that was the portion in the race where i was like okay pogacar is clearly not pedaling at the same level as vingegaard where it was super visible like there was super visible and he also looked a bit in distress in that final segment. But obviously, we're at the end of the climb. At that point, it's normal to be that. But Vingegaard just kept flying. Pogacar was closing in on Carlos Rodriguez. Vingegaard started closing in on Pogacar towards the last kilometer. And I was worried he would actually pass him. That would have been the, the shocking thing. Dude, if... uh, my YouTube thumbnail for the video. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> just imagine. But we spoke about those two riders. We need to go a bit further and then we can go towards like the podium candidates and so forth. Oh yeah, but... let's draw a line. So like, wait, Pogaccia, one more thing. Did Pogaccia collapse like Roglic? The no. answer is no. Clearly no. Clearly not collapse. So Pogaccia did a good time trial performance, a strong time trial performance. Maybe Vingar, not his best, but not a collapse. Maybe not Plage de Belfield level, but Vingegaard destroyed him like yeah. by a lot. He destroyed him by a lot. And what does it say for the Tour de France before we go further to other candidates here because I was super hyped for Cordula Laws and now I'm not hyped at all because I'm kind of sad that I feel like the tour is over after this. Cordula Laws, I think it's really hard to have a raid from UAE because Yumbo, the team is so strong. I don't know if Van Hoydonk's condition, but um, yeah, I, the only way is if Jonas 
crashes on a dis- crashes, which is possible. Uh, he tried to do that twice last year, and including the final TT in the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. And stage 20, if shit gets out of control, you never know what could happen. Stage 20 is the, is the raid stage, and the problem yep. for Poggy is, you know... Who it's two minutes. Be, he's two minutes, and also the Yumbo team is very strong in controlling... The, UAE's mountain train has been mm-hmm. stronger in the final 20 minutes of a climb, but over the course of a whole stage, it's pretty clear that Yumbo's team is stronger than UAE's. Yep. So just launching the last 20 minutes of... Platz of Arsenal or whatever it is, two minutes is, you know, you know, unless Jonas has an absolute shocker, you're probably not going to take that back. From the start. So. You have to go from the start. Make yeah, it exactly. You can't, you can't bonus this back. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I agree, Benji. I was expecting before Lowe's. The ideal scenario for us, would, or for fans, and would have been Vingegaard 15 seconds behind. So Poggy yeah. takes, you know, 25 on him today. Yeah. And then he's got a really attack on Lowe's as well. He can't just wait. Um, but we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, let's go to maybe the, the podium moves. Yeah, because Vingegaard now, now is 148 ahead of Pogaccia on GC, which is Jesus a Christ. pretty healthy margin. Yates moves into third, five seconds ahead of Carlos Rodriguez. So two UA on the podium. Hindley stays put, uh, but didn't do his best TT. I think he's still a bit banged up from that crash. On 11.15, Ku stays put on 12.56. He, he did an okay TT. Bilbao, Simon Yates, Godou actually all stay put, but there's big gaps uh, between uh, Bilbao narrows in on Ku, so he might be coming for his seventh position and maybe even Hinley's if he's struggling. Godou, yeah, as I said, stays ninth. Goal moves into the top 10 because he had a decent TT and Martin struggled. So 10th is in on 18.19 before the third week mountain stage, Benji, which is absolutely... Huge gaps, bigger gaps than last year from memory. But yeah, anything you'd like to discuss in the really in the podium battle? Like Yates, I think Yates right now is looking more likely to hold that third than Rodriguez, unless he's really sacrificed in aid of Pagacha. But why would Vingegaard chase someone nine minutes back? Oh, he shouldn't. He shouldn't do that. The gap is gigantic, and it's all about the top two fighting each other, and then Yates and Rodriguez fighting each other. And then Sepkas trying to get into the top five. GC Cuz is he's likely to good get for top GC five Kuz. tomorrow in GC. Because Hinley's still banged up. Because it's gonna be top five by the end of tomorrow, is my opinion. Yeah, the gap is two minutes, but it's called Lalos. So on Cold Lalos, I expect Kuz to be close to Adam Yates, Pogachar, Vingo, at least close to Adam Yates. Adam Yates has been arguably the better version of Sepkas for the last week, I would say. I feel like he's really done that role well at Emirates, so credit's there for a second. He's been outstanding, yeah. But then, what else can we talk about? Like, top 10, where we're talking about Gil Martin, Gull. Gull's going to take time on Martin tomorrow, so I think... Can Gull drop... I think Gull is looking at Gudu. And that's a big battle, AG2R against FDJ. Yeah, true. And well, so... What do you reckon? What do you reckon? I had Gull, to, I... In the big high mountains, Gull has an advantage. What do you prefer if you are... You're Mario now. Would you <laughs> rather have Godou on the podium or Godou on the... No, wait. Would you rather have Godou come ninth As best behind French no Ajazair riders or podium under Felix Gall? <laughs> uh, 
I think, I mean, best French rider and Caspino is way behind him. Or no, Martin's not that far. And I don't know. I don't know what this You think. probably still want the podium, but. Like... Yeah, podium. Uh, yeah, <laughs> podium. <laughs> you know what I mean? Home for this. Um, <laughs> but no, I think that'll be an interesting battle between uh, the three French teams, which I'll be keenly watching tomorrow. They won't want to let Martin in the breakaway. Yeah. He's, you know, because he's, you know, on 1956, but he's not far He'll away try, from the goal. He'll try. But so that'll goal. be an interesting battle. Everybody outside of the top four can go in the breakaway tomorrow, no? 11 minutes? Yeah, pretty much. But Other teams will try and neutralize them by trying to stop them from getting in the breakaways. So, for example, yeah. let's say Jai Hindley tries. Ineos might be trying to close that down. Pitcock tries to go in the break, then Goffitis will try and send Guillaume Martin in the break. So sure. the breakaway formation phase will be really fun. But also, Yumbo is going to be riding all day anyway. Well, we'll talk about the preview in a second, but... It's going to be similar to, uh, what's the climb again? Jouplan stage? Jouplan, yeah, they just, they just kept it hard all day. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at these TT results a little bit more. This Bilbao TT is outstanding. I mean, this yeah. guy has been a good TT before. He struggled on the flatter TTs for Bahrain, but, you know, he did the climbing sections really fast. So if you look at his, and, you know, he, he, he's, he was punished by his equipment today. He could have gone quicker. Yeah. This guy was fifth on the first climb. The, the, you know, the, let's call out the first climbing section. He was 25th from T1 to T2 he, on the 55 kph section. Lost so much time there. Then the climb, the last climb, he was 8th and the, the proper 2.8Ks. And then T3 to the finish, he was 4th. He was getting stronger. So just they knew their weaknesses, kind of like Schelmoser in the uh, Tour de Swiss TT where he just mm -hmm. whacked the climb. And yeah, Bilbao, outstanding pacing, great performance from him today. Um, Simon Yates is similar. He was, you know, 18th on the flat section and he actually looks like he blew up a little bit. He was 13th on the T3 to the finish. Maybe he went a bit too hard on the two climbs where he was fourth Did and he, third. Uh, who, which Yates blew up on the Dauphiné TT or something or the Swiss TT towards the end? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, Adam did Dauphiné, so it would have been Simon if he did the, if he did Tour de Swiss. Don't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, Adam also 15th from T3 to the finish, slowing down, whereas David Gadu actually paced it really well. You know, yeah. actually, maybe Gadu even paced it too conservatively because he was 18th on the, the climb proper and 6th in the final section, and he was 17th to T1. So Gadu maybe even a little bit too conservative, but maybe he's just trying not to lose too much to Gal. So interesting pacing plans. I would say, on average, Benji, most didn't change. Is that correct? What do you mean? The, oh, yeah, most didn't change. You're correct. Uh, I feel like the majority didn't change, but it's also, we should be judging only the the people that try to do well in the time trial, because so, the other people probably didn't change in the first place, because they didn't care about having a good time. So from the True. people that did try for the time trial, still that same conclusion lost. The majority decided not to change, but it's very hard to to be able to pinpoint what is the good decision, because you don't know what the the major negatives are for each bike brand that each team uses. And one team might feel like their simulations with their specific bike is, is better to change than another team, for example. So it's hard to be able to pinpoint that. I would have expected them to, to not change on this parkour personally. Mm. Also because like, I feel like you've already got a climb at the start, for example. You've got the second climb towards the end, of course. I understand it, it, it's about seconds. It's about five to 10 seconds you can win probably by changing or not changing in every direction. So I don't know. 
You reckon that's it? We draw a bow on the TT and talk about Cold of the Lows, the Beast tomorrow? I think so. I'm, I'm so I'm kind of disappointed that the gap is so big now because yeah. you know, you know, I don't care who wins this fucking Tour de France as long as it's close and entertaining for us. And me either. I'm a bit sad that the next stage is just a bit a huge gap. What's gonna happen now? <laughs> I don't. I mean, maybe it makes it more exciting. We saw what Pagacha did last year, Benji, when he was too far behind. Maybe we see Cote de Rosalon. So you know, let's not be. I'm hopeful. This is Tadej Pogacar. You What usually happens the day after Tadej Pogacar gets hit in the mouth, he comes straight back and hits you in the mouth twice as hard. Or maybe not twice as hard, but you know you know what I mean. Like, he doesn't just say, oh, I lost, oh, too bad, oh, next year. No, he's going to try tomorrow. So, Saint-Gervais Mont Blanc to Courchevel, 166 kilometers long, 5,000, over 5,000 meters elevation gain. This is one of the hardest Tour de France stages in the 21st century. They, they rarely use a stage this hard. Four climbs maybe even five really in 166 k's that are all long the first is cat one called a Cezy. we will see the KOM guys going for that the break will form on that climb descent no flat then the corner de Rosalind, 20 kilometers 6.1 percent but the first 12 k's are steeper another category one actually a bit mean i would almost that's almost hc um descent and then a little bit of flat 12 k's False life downhill, then the Cote de Longfroy, which is actually quite steep, 6.5Ks, 7.5%. That's not easy. We might even see Poggy go there. Descent, very short valley. And then the horrible climb up to Col de la Lose through Meribel. So they do the first Courchevel climb, 92 kilometers, 7%. Then it, another little kicker, false summit. Then they go to Meribel. Now they're at 1,400 meters. There's like, I don't know, 3Ks of flat they can recover a little bit. And then the mean, the nasty climb up to Col de la Lowe is 2,300. It is not steady. It is undulating the whole way. And particularly the last 4Ks, it gets very narrow and is up and down. We saw this in 2020 and it's about 11 kilometers, 8%, 8.5%. But there's 16% pinches in there. And that, yeah, that's an HC climb with double, double KOM points, I believe. And I believe mm -hmm. also bonification 852 before a technical descent actually into Courchevel with a yep. little kick up to the Altiport. So they don't finish at the top like they did in 2020 where Miguel Angel Lopez won and Roglic took a, you know, 15 seconds on Pagacha. I want Lopez back. He would win this stage. Uh, sub him in. Like, sub him in. He could come here without any preparation and destroy Vingegaard and Pogacar on that <laughs> climb. That's, that's Miguel Angel Lopez. But how I believe this stage will go is relatively simple. People will fight for the breakaway on that first climb and... Then Yumbo will start putting tempo already on that first climb, is how I expected. The Van Balas, the Van Hoydongs, the Laportes of this world will be pacing the first two climbs. They will try and make it even harder. Next climb, for example. And then the Wout van Aerts, Keldermans, and Cusses of the world will try and make Colalos as hard as possible. But that's how I viewed it before Vingega had a gap of a minute 48 on Pogacar. Is there a world where you see? Jumbo Visma saying, well, we might as well play defensive, knowing that that would be in Pogacar's advantage if they don't pace the entire day. Yeah, you could say, UA, you do it. You chase the break. You pace every climb hard. Like, that'll be tough for UAE to do, I think. Yeah, but... Because you'll have Langen pacing long for Because you need you to save Grosschartner for the start of Maribel. But then again, when you look at Pogacar, his strength is his ability to open up the separation initially, knowing that he has a fresh attack. 
Vingegaard can't respond to that. If it's a non-fresh attack, he seemingly can respond to that. So, would you argue it's not in Yumbo's favor to ride anyway? I think UAE are going to try to get Soler in the break, and I think Pogacar is going to attack on the top of Rosalind or Longfra. Really? No way. Why would he wait till Lowe's, make Yates set a hard pace? Like, not realistically, he's not going to gain two minutes, so he has to go long, right? And he's got two stages to do something crazy. And we saw last year on Spandell, he attacked second last climb. He attacked on, what was the climb before Perigude? Orquette d'Anzizon, the no Valorant-Azé, he attacked. So I don't think he's going to wait for the last climb. Now, you could say he has a satellite rider and then he attacks on the, the end of the Maribel section and, and he has, gets towed in, in the flat section around Maribel. Um, but, yeah, I think... I think they're going to try to get right on the brakes all there and, and try that. Because, and Yumbo will just set a pace and make the stage. If you make the stage just overall hard and reduce Pigatch's explosivity, then you can only do so much. Yeah. I but don't you know. know. I could have a shocker. And if you, I mean, if you start struggling on Cold La Lowe's, you can lose a lot of time. If, if you get dropped yeah, with 5Ks to go. I agree. I fully agree with that. But this is also the climb that everybody before this race started said. This is the place where Vingegaard can take time on Pogacar. Before the race started, this was the climb. This was the stage. Yeah. So it's unlikely that Pogacar takes two minutes on a stage like this. <laughs> no, of <laughs> course. And last time he took two minutes plus on Vingegaard was in uh, Grand Bonnand in 2021 when it was very rainy, right? Yeah. That was when he cooked everybody. And that was second last climb back to back. And they were playing in the group behind too. It wasn't like Jonas had Sepp Kuss and Co. Kelderman setting a tempo. And he's, a lot and he's a lot better than then. So, yeah, I mean, I, I still believe, like, Yamba will be thinking, oh, well, we've won the tour now. Like, yeah. we just got to walk around Cold La Lowe's. Like, well, a lot can happen. A lot Bogfinard can happen. Bogfinard has defensive satellite rider responding to Solera or something? Um, I don't know much. If Pagach has actually dropped you on a climb... I don't know how much a satellite rider can really help you. And the same works either way, really. Like, you're getting yeah. cooked. Maybe Yates and Coos can help you, but someone like, wow, the way he's climbing at the moment of the tour, I don't believe so. So, yeah, uh, who you got, Benji? Well, I, I do think that having a Wild Fanart defensive satellite rider helps you feel safer because Pogacar might not be so intensely incentivized to attack on Rosa Law, then, for example. True, true. Uncle Lalo's, it won't matter as much. Then no, it's mano right. a mano between the two. But beforehand, I feel like it still matters. But who do I have to win the stage? Based on today, based on the fact that I was already thinking that beforehand, Vingua. But I hope it's Pogacar by a minute and 48 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put him 20 seconds ahead with bonies. Because <laughs> there's bonies at the top of Cold Lolo's. I hope the break wins it, honestly, because I don't want GC to win KOM again. It's very tedious. I'd like Chicone or someone like that to win KOM, or Felix Gold even, if he goes in the break, but I don't think he has enough points. But I don't think that's going to happen. So, I, I think Vingegaard wins the stage, to be honest, in yellow. Um, I think so as well. Yeah. So, yeah. For his over? We don't even know. The Vosges is not exactly the easiest place to defend, especially with... But I think... I think Yates is not close enough. He's not close enough. 
and you can't really use him. And I honestly think Benji, on when I looked at the Libertex footage yesterday, yeah. on the rest day I watched it again. I think the heavy pace of Yates helps Jonas more than Pogaccio. I think so. Um, and, and so when he was pacing all that time on, you know, probably six and a half watts per kilo on Libertex, I, I rewatched it. And I was thinking, what was Poggy doing? Because I know he said Pogaccio. I wanted Yates to gain time on third. Come on. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not a consideration. He already has a satellite rider up the road in Solaire. So there's no tactical advantage Yates going ahead. But he wasn't fucked either because his burst at the end was too good. I think it's somewhere in the middle that he was like, if I keep following Yates at this heavy pace, I will not be able to do my sprint. Might be. And I think, I think he was like, well, so I have to recover. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, Maybe Jonas knew Benji when he gave him the look over the line at Lebetex yeah. when he let him when he let Pogaccio right, right over first. Fuck it. You got to predict with your heart. I'm going to go for Tade Pogaccio with a 90k solo or something from Cormelo alone. <laughs> Could happen. Could happen. Solo, I mean, eh? So Greg's called by then, he just attacks and he's gone. <laughs> it would make this tour, it would take it to the best ever. If he did, if he, even if it doesn't work, even if it doesn't work, it, the excitement for three hours would be unbelievable. So hopefully he does, does go crazy tomorrow. And launches it, but yeah, Vingegaard, the big winner of the day, and a result you know we didn't see coming at all, frankly. And he's put himself in very, very pole position to win his second Tour de France in a row. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'll be back for Cold Lolo's tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna make a highlight video, Benji. <laughs> Man, oh, you, what have you been, mate? You did your, you won a zip, you won a race today. Story time, brother. Yeah, you might have seen the Tour de France today with like fantastic performances and so forth, but nothing resembling to the performance I laid on the table this morning. Exactly. I jumped on Zwift on the bike behind me here, and I did a Zwift race, and I've, I've had this video up on YouTube called uh, Riding a Zwift Race Every Day Until I Win. About two months ago I uploaded that, and well, I tried to do that again from yesterday onwards, and I'm two days in and I've won a Zwift, which my video kind of short now, but <laughs> Flying. Flying. It's, yeah, but it was a good race, though. Like, I won't lie. Yeah, there are only it. four competitors. Don't spoil it. But the way I, I yeah, was harder was. than Vingegaard on the time trial bike. Well, that's the, the thing. I, I told them. Dude, I told Vingegaard, I said, just do 1500 watts the whole TT. And he's like, I, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I did that today. <laughs> yeah. And or an altitude camp that you came on made you fly. Yeah. Anyway, go check out. Check out Benji's video. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening as always. And we'll see you with the Cold Lolo's recap tomorrow. Until then, ciao. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.